Welcome to the Psalms, a call to words podcast where timeless truths shape today's words. I am your host, David Bunce, and I hope that you will be blessed as we journey through the great songbook of the Bible. In his commentary on the Psalms, W.S. Plummer notes, What a great teacher is experience. How it enriches the soul with knowledge and with confidence. The Christian's strength is acquired in exercising himself unto godliness. Of this truth, this whole psalm is proof. And it is indeed David's experience in God's wonderful deeds. And so Psalm 9 draws us in to see how David worships God that he remembers the faithful acts and deeds of God in the past to encourage him in the present and to prepare him for the future. Psalm 9. To the choir master, according to Muthlaban, a psalm of David. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne, giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them has perished. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice, and he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples his deeds. For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk in the pit that they have made. In the net that they have hid, their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. Higayon, Selah. The wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. Selah. In this psalm, David provides ten couplets, ten pairs of recounting these wonderful deeds of what God has done. And as we look to this psalm, we should recognize that it is with a whole heart that David does this. C.H. Spurgeon said that half a heart is no heart. Or as E.W. Hingstenberg said, with half-heartedness and the depreciation of divine grace go hand in hand. In other words, to be able to praise God rightly and fully, our hearts must be engaged in that praise wholly and fully. Well, what is it that we praise him for? First, David says, I will be glad, in verse 2, 
and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. So the first way that we recount the wonderful deeds of God is to recount His character. He is Lord. He is Most High. He is God. He is the Exalted One. He is lifted up high. David praises Him just because of who He is. Is that how we think of God? Is it because He must do something for us, or is it enough to be able to rest in His presence and in who He is? To not just come to Him for His gifts, but to come to Him for Himself. This is how Jesus teaches the disciples to pray. They ask, Lord, teach us to pray, and He starts, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. It's just God Himself that is worthy to be prayed to, to be delighted in, to be thankful for His wonderful deeds. It must be first grounded in His character. The second couplet that describes what David is grateful for from God is his justice. It's God's justice against his enemies, and it's God's justice against the unrighteous. As we've discussed already through the Psalms, we see over and over again this praise for God being a righteous judge. Well, how does that help us to be able to praise him? We don't want him to destroy the enemies that we hope will come to repentance. But we do recognize that all the wrongs that we have suffered, that we have faced, that the church has endured in persecution, God has not forgotten the unrighteousness. He will judge it, and he accomplishes that judgment ultimately and finally at the cross and in the culmination of all things at the end, before the judgment seat of God. All things will be made right, even while we suffer sometimes in this current state. Thirdly, We celebrate and we thank him for his mercy. We deserve that justice, the judgment that God comes to bring upon the wicked. We all are sinners in need of grace. And so it is God's mercy that comes to end the enemies and the wicked that perish. We should be those that perish, but God instead has chosen to show mercy. This is implicit in the psalm. David could have been shown this kind of justice. Rather, God shows him mercy. Fourth, we praise God, his wonderful deeds, for his rule over all things. He has established his throne for justice, verse 7 tells us. And verse 8, he judges the world with righteousness. We see plenty of corruption and injustice in our world. It is good to know that God never has a missentence, that he never does wrong in his high court where he judges things rightly and faithfully and righteously. In fact, that's what David goes on into this next couplet to praise him for, his trustworthiness. This is at the center of the psalm. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. We first hear of God as this fearsome judge. It could make us want to run away, but that's not the response that David has. Nor is it what should be the response of those who are oppressed, troubled, afflicted. We can run to him because he's a refuge. He's a stronghold in times of trouble. He is there for those, but recognize who it is that he is there for. It's those who seek him, those who know his name and trust in him. He will not be the fortress, the place of refuge and safety for those who continue in wickedness. It is only for those who trust in the Lord, who seek his face, and who pursue righteousness in delight for who God is and what he has done. Sixth, it is his avenging of the persecuted. 
Throughout church history, people have sought to praise the Lord and to rightly serve Him and to tell others about Him, even at great cost to themselves. What advantage is there to go and become a Jim Elliot where you have to go into the jungles where people may kill you at the end of a spear? But God has set His people throughout all of history that they would come and remember their avenger who will make things right, either by restoring and saving those who were the wicked or by judging them who continue in their unrighteousness. Spurgeon talks about this actually by quoting Thomas Brooks. He says, O persecutors, there is a time a-coming when God will make a strict inquiry after the blood of Hooper, Bradford, Latimer, Taylor, Ridley, etc. There is a time coming wherein God will inquire who silenced and suspended such and such ministers, and who stopped the mouths of such and such, and who imprisoned, confined, and banished such and such, who were once burning and shining lights, who were willing to spend and be spent, that sinners might be saved, and that Christ might be glorified. What a wonderful, wonderful thing it is to see that God will not forget the cry of the afflicted. Number seven, it is his grace in salvation. The psalmist prays, please, Lord, be gracious to me. See my affliction from those who hate me. And why does he want God to save him? So that he can continue to praise him, that he can continue to recount the joys of who God is and his glory. Eight, it is his revelation of divine action. God is not sitting idly by, letting creation continue as it will. He is involved step by step, day by day, making himself known, verse 16 says. And God will make himself known to those who reject him in judgment, and he will make himself known in mercy and joy to those who follow him. Number nine, his remembrance of the afflicted. God will not forget those who are indeed suffering, those who are oppressed, In fact, we can think of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who suffer. Blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. Finally, what is it that we recount of the wonderful deeds of God? Well, this final deed reminds us of his chief characteristic, that is his holiness. God is right and just to judge wickedness and to reward righteousness because he is perfectly holy. And he is calling all who are his creation to fear him and to humble themselves before the mighty hand of God. When we recognize God's holiness, it not only motivates us to rejoice in who he is, that character that is unblemished, untainted, unspotted, but it also calls us to a reverential fear before him, that he would be honored and magnified and glorified in all things. He has done this. He will do this. And he is currently doing wonderful deeds among his people. And for that, he is worthy of praise. And these deeds are worthy to be recounted. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your wonderful deeds. We thank you for your character, for your justice, for your mercy. Lord, you rule over all things. We know that you are trustworthy, that you are a strong tower, a fortress, a shelter that we can run to. Lord, we thank you that those who have been persecuted for your name's sake will be honored and rewarded, and we know that your grace is sufficient for us, and that in salvation we praise you, and we pray for those who are outside of it, that they would repent of wickedness, 
and come to find the grace of the Savior, Jesus Christ, in forgiving sins. Lord, we thank you for your revelation and for the remembrance you have of the afflicted and that you are holy. May we delight in you today, grow in you today, and share the wonderful deeds you have done that others may praise you for what you have done, what you do, and what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to The Psalms, a Call to Words podcast. For more content, just visit calledtowords.com. I hope you will join us again next time for more riches from The Psalms.